Sometimes we get stuck in our ideas and creations, not knowing the next step. We all have so much creativity to offer, but can get tied in knots with decisions and the need for approval. EM2 Connects Business is to help you get untangled and discover your creative identity and vision. Emily Martin and Elizabeth McDonald are the creators behind EM2. As ideators and performers, they have sung and taught worldwide. In the past few years, too many artists have asked them, what do I do next? What was their answer? Their answer was EM2 Connect. They are raising the collaboration to the power of two and on a mission to support, connect, educate, and inspire the arts community. From one-on-one coachings to creative collectives, they have the tools to help you make sense of your creativity. Head to their website at www.em2connect.com. That's www.em2connect.com to learn more about how you can build the creative world you want to live in. Welcome to season four of My So-Called Opera Life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers. After three seasons of incredible conversations, the podcast has grown and changed much like ourselves. We're still on a mission to connect, inform, inspire, and empower musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Because as we continue to hear from you and watch the opera industry struggle to change and grow, community, connection, and transparency are as important as ever. We're here to spill the tea on the inner workings of the opera life, to celebrate the artists who unapologetically create amazing, non-traditional paths for themselves, and to inspire each other to sing freely, make art truthfully, and to work fearlessly for a more equitable industry. I'm Elise. And I'm Marcel. And we're two sopranos currently living our best so-called opera lives. Well, Happy New Year. I guess we said that on the last episode. Yeah. So Happy New Year again. It still feels like I'm saying New Year, Happy New Year to, you know, various clients and collaborators and yeah yeah people on the street <laughs> well, and and we were just talking about this I don't even feel like my new year has started because I've spent the entire new year sick Ugh. I am still sick I had a head cold now I have a stomach bug so like all of my intentions to like you know all the things I was gonna like do for myself in the year I haven't been able to do I've just been literally a lump on my couch which you know that's healing that's important uh Listen, I'm not sick and I've also been a lump on my couch, so I don't have any excuses. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, goodness gracious. But yeah, well, so here we are. We are here and we are excited to share this next interview with you. This was a great interview with Nadia Marshall, who is a longtime fan of the podcast. I think our very first Patreon supporter too. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to her for that. She's been a fan. She's also, we didn't realize this when we recorded the episode. Yeah. We like found it out as the recording happened. So you'll hear it soon as we make this discovery, but we're also all studio mates and we had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really fun. But Nadia is also a incredible voiceover artist. Yes. So she's a singer and creating her own you know, path and journey and like on constant discovery of what the right path is for her. And yeah, she got into voiceover and she got also, we talk a little bit about how she got into crossover and kind of like, that's sort of like one of the reasons I started working with the um, teacher, Susan Eichhorn-Young as well to get into crossover. And so 
I've been seeing Nadia post some things about some of her um, shows that she got into. Like, I think she's in Sound of Music right now. So that's yeah, cool. which is really exciting. Really exciting. Yeah. And she's been posting some really awesome content about like what it is behind the scenes to be a voiceover person, like the tools that help her. And I find that really fascinating because I feel like that's content I wanted to see when I was starting to kind of try it out. And I felt like I was trying to reinvent, like figure it out. And there was not a lot of resources, <laughs> but I yeah. had you. So that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. On the interview, you know, we talk about voiceover and I do a little voiceover as well. So it was cool to hear um, what she's done and she's really taken it to a, like another level where it's become like her primary source of income and she's done extensive training and she's actually going to Cancun in a few weeks or something like that. Or, um, I saw on Instagram too, to, um, to For a conference. Yeah. Like I always see these conferences like out of this taps you know anywhere like around the world and I like networking meetups and there's Nat stuff and then there's this I guess there's a voiceover thing in Cancun I was like this is so cool like yeah I love it I love it you get to work and be in Cancun that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's so cool so if you're curious about how the opera life and the voiceover life can coincide and how those two things inform the other I think you're really going to enjoy this interview with Nadia. And also, even if you're not interested in voiceover, I just think her, her take on how she has, you know, she made decisions about the kind of path she wants and the kind of financial stability that she wants. And she, she really talks with us about like the fine details of the steps she took to set herself up. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really cool. You know, Nadia, like we said, was one of our first Patreon supporters, and she's been listening for a long time to the podcast. And I just feel like it was cool to talk about her journey and talk about, you know, that time when we started the podcast, I feel like I'm like talking as if it was like, Oh, a long time ago and stuff, but no, it's like a lot has happened. And just like, I think feel like the, the interview kind of expressed this sort of evolution of how she has continued to grow and pivot and make decisions that continue to serve her. And, and we talk like, about, you know, how opera fits in there and how it wasn't serving her for a while and how, you know, some other creative outlets like voiceover and musical theater have helped her still feel like she's, you know, not wasting her, like, degree, which doesn't, that's like, just, if that's a win for her, that's great. doesn't have to be that way for everybody, but I feel like she has found some things that empower her in her career yeah. creatively yeah. and financially, you know? Yeah. And it's always just for me, just so, so inspiring to talk with somebody who takes, you know, real ownership of the path that they want. And I know I struggle with that myself. I feel like I'm always like on some level looking for permission from somewhere. So it's always really inspiring to me to talk with people like Nadia, who just like, you know, they're like, no, I want this and I can go for it. And totally. That's that's the only permission they need because it is really the only permission you need. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hopefully you enjoy it more than you've even enjoyed us talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's go. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Absolutely. For, yes. Taking the time out. I'm very excited to talk with you because of 
everything, but also um, Marcel and I also do a little voiceover. So I'm right. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to like hearing some of your secrets and what you use and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just like, I, I think, I think even you're farther into your voiceover release than I am. And I'm kind of still at the very early stages of mine and like so much of like adding voiceover to your portfolio feels like, like, like opera, a huge mystery of like how to do it. <laughs> So I'm excited Absolutely. to talk with you about um, what that journey has been like for you. Um, but before we do that, please introduce yourself to us so our listeners who know who our lovely guest is today. Great. So my name is Nadia Marshall, and I'm an opera singer and a voice actor, as you mentioned. I have my own business called Voices by Nadia that I launched in beginning of 2020, or let me think. I made it an LLC beginning of this year but I think I started it as a business in December of 2021. So that's exciting. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So now I'm full-time in this business since May and I am currently in Columbus, Ohio, and I've been voice acting since 2016. I kind of started at that time. Didn't know what I was doing, but I think my career really took off uh, in 2020. So yeah. that's really cool. Exciting. I would hazard to say that most people who get into voice acting don't know what they're doing at the beginning. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. You kind of have to stumble through a little bit to figure it out, but most definitely. Mm -hmm. Totally. And so how does singing fit into your career right now? And or what are the other facets of your career at this point? So I think currently at this moment, singing is something that I do for joy's sake, which is ultimately what I wanted. So I use voice acting obviously as my main source of income. It's, you know, pays the bills, and, you know, most of my money comes from there. But for singing, I now feel that I have the opportunity to be able to say, you know, oh, maybe if a gig doesn't necessarily align with my values or if it doesn't pay as much as I feel that it should be paid, I can safely be able to be like, no, thank you. Rather than I think in the past, I was like, well, you know, I have to like, make rent this month, so I probably should take it, you know. So I think in this current state of things, I'm able to have that autonomy, which is really empowering. But I think in the past, it would always be like voice acting, singing, and then like some other main job. So it would be kind of cycling between the three things, and then some would be on the back burner, and then the other two would be at the front burner, and it would kind of be this cycle. And I never really enjoyed it because usually either singing would fall behind. And I never really enjoyed that because obviously we know with practice, we have to, we have to keep, keep ourselves fresh and, you know, with auditions and everything, it's so important to be on top of everything. So now to be able to be in my own business and have my own schedule and be able to create it, now I can, you know, be able to be like, well, actually I wanted to just do a recital or I want to just do a concert or go for more musical theater or have that flexibility, which is something I was very, very much craving in the earlier stages of this career path. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So I have to ask then, is there anything like singing wise, like joy wise that you're getting up to with singing? Absolutely. So I have a funny story, but just this week I was cast in Secret Garden and I was cast in The Sound of Music for uh, recently. Congrats. So that was, that's been like the most recent thing. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank what, you. So, what parts? 
Uh, Sound of Music is uh, Baroness Elsa, so get to play the rich bitch, which is super fun. And then <laughs> uh, for Secret Garden, it'll be Lily, which I did Aww. the show a while back. And yeah, I, I played Aya, which I mean, I love Aya, but she's just a little too low for me. And so I was like, okay, next time I do it, I want to do Lily. I want to do Lily. And yeah, I think it's going to be a beautiful production, especially my hope is if we can make Lily maybe like more Indian, you know, that could be kind of exciting to sort of change the narrative a little bit. But yeah, yeah. that's really exciting. That's... Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Have you. you always done musical theater in addition to opera? I wanted to, I think, for a long time, but I didn't really allow myself to explore it too much until finally after uh, starting grad school, then I was really interested in it. And actually after grad school, so about maybe like 2021, I had heard so many of you talk about Susan Icorn Young and you know, we love her. So I decided to reach out to her to have a few like lessons and everything. And so she has really helped me discover even more of, you know, musical theater technique and everything. So shout out to Susan. We yeah, love her. We <laughs> love her. Susan's the best. <laughs> She's great. That's really exciting. So we're all studio mates. Oh my gosh. I know. Craziness. Craziness. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. So what got you into voice acting? So when I was in high school, I was in a production of Carmen. So I was in the opera chorus and there was this one very outgoing woman from Brazil. She apparently was like the Portuguese voice of Google way back when. And we, we hit it off and she was like, oh yeah, I do voice acting. And so in the back of my mind, I kind of like bookmarked that for later. We kept in touch. And after uh, graduating from Florida State in 2016, you know, we had, again, stayed in touch. And she reached out and she's like, I really think you should consider this as a career. I'm like, okay, sure. I'd be happy to learn more about it. One thing that is very apparent in the voiceover industry is this entire community is some of the most welcoming and supportive people I have ever had the opportunity to be a part of. And she demonstrated that even from the get-go. I went to her house. She gave me some old equipment. She showed me how she would go through some of these casting sites. She showed me her setup. She even let me like try out a few things. Showed, like She took an entire day to sit down and show me a little bit of how to get started. And I basically got a membership to one casting site later, I think later that week. And that was October. 2016, I booked my first job in December. So it took me two full months of like really auditioning to figure it out. So yeah, that's how I got started was all because of Sumaira. She, I always think of her every time I go in the booth. So. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. That's ama like, it's so, it's so, I was so generous of her to like be willing to just like mentor, mentor you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, you see this all throughout the voiceover community. There are so many people who have free resources, or if you ask them questions, they're like, absolutely, ask away. Like, they're not kind of like gatekeeping, or they're not, you know, kind of saying, oh, well, you have to pay me this much to like, they are willing to give advice and willing to help you. So, yeah, absolutely. That's great. I mean, one of the things when I went into voiceover at the beginning, I was like, I refuse to make this another, yet another thing in my career that I have to pay for extensive training and pay for this some huge demo and get all this. And I was like, I just refuse. And I'd like, didn't give two shit. So I was just like, 
like in opera, I was like, I want to like do the right thing, you know? But in this, I was like, I don't care what the right thing is. I just want to make money. So, <laughs> so it's really great to hear and that you were able to find success without like absorb exorbitant like startup costs. Cause I think that's a huge barrier to anybody getting in, but particularly I think it's so suited for singers. That's how I got heard about it as well was some someone that was a singer also doing it. And it does it's a little bit like scary and I think it can oh, be definitely. So. You're so used to not using a mic and then all of a sudden you have to be using a mic, but not in a singing way and in a speaking way. And then you're kind of like, well, what's the difference? And what do I right. do? And it's a whole nother ball game. And, totally. and, and all of us with our perfectionism genes are like, well, do I have the right microphone? Oh, I don't feel like know what I'm doing before oh, I even God. get started. It's a spiral. <laughs> There's so many rabbit holes to go down. Well, and for me, it was like that all my life. I, uh, so growing up, I have a bunch of younger brothers and sisters. And so I would read to them out loud all the time and do all the voices and things. And, you know, people would always say to me like, oh, and your speaking voice is so lovely. I would, I could listen to you read the phone book. Your voice is so expressive. And then uh, in the pandemic, it was like, Elise had been doing it. And then a couple of friends of mine who are authors posted that like, oh, I'm, you know, releasing some short stories and want, you know, to maybe do an audio book. And I was like, hey. I'm getting started if you don't mind like I would love to build my portfolio mm -hmm. it's like you know if you're not because you know if you're not looking for like a really high level finished product like if you're willing to take a chance on me like I'd be happy to help and they took me up on it so that's fantastic that's fantastic I think absolutely what you said of it doesn't necessarily have to be such a expensive barrier to go into but I think because there are so many free resources out there, other podcasts, articles, you know, people who are just willing to talk about it, Facebook groups, it's, it can be obviously a little daunting, but it's not as if there's not an opportunity to talk to someone and to get that, at least that initial feeling of like, okay, I can get started. Right. But I think also, ultimately, it is another long game, very similarly to opera, it is a marathon, not a sprint. So I think sometimes when people hop into the field, they may think like, okay, cool, I'm gonna make money like right off the bat. And sometimes you kind of have to have a hard conversation of like, well, that may not necessarily happen. You know, you have to kind of figure out, okay, how do I treat my space? How do I get the right equipment? How do I figure out how to do this for long periods of time, especially if it's audiobooks? I mean, it it is a, a bit of a learning curve. But if you're willing to put in the time, which obviously pandemic, you had quite a lot of time at the beginning. <laughs> you know, you can kind of figure it out and make it work. And obviously with practice, it'll become even more natural. Yeah, right. right. Well, and it's like, also there's the, I also learned very quickly that just as an opera, there are, you know, you kind of have to learn the people who are trying to take advantage of the newbies in the field too. <laughs> like, look, I'm so them. glad you brought that up. Yeah, because there are, there are people who, oh, sign up for my eight week course and get a free demo at the end, run just sprint in the opposite direction. Don't even go near them. But you know, there are people who obviously want to help you. But yes, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. There are definitely a few, not many. I think we've, we've mostly barked them out. But I think there are still a few lingering, not so nice people around. But yeah, generally yeah. speaking, I think we've we've set a good set a good fence around the community to protect our, our like minded people. Yeah. So where are your communities? You're talking about like, sort of the community here, you know, where do you network with voiceover other actors and how did you sort of get into that besides, you know, the contact 
that you had originally? Sure. I think the first couple of years was very lonesome. I was just by myself in my closet. So I didn't really speak to many people. But ultimately, I think there are a lot of Facebook groups and social media, especially like TikTok and even Instagram and Facebook groups. I mean, there's so many of them. So it can be kind of a digital community. And a lot of it is. But I went to my first in-person or yeah, there, there's some virtual or in-person conferences you can go to. I had gone to a few virtual conferences, but you know, we get tired of Zoom sometimes. And if you feel safe and are able to go, I did go to my first in-person conference in March of this year. So that was really awesome to be able to finally meet people in person. So I think pre-pandemic, that was the main way for people to meet was conferences or meetups. But now I think obviously with technology and the way things have moved since COVID began, we are able to have more online meetings or using social media as a tool to kind of get to know each other. And uh, I finally was able to meet friends that we had only seen each other via Zoom or online and being able to just actually be like, I'm a real person, you know, um, it's, it's really exciting. But so it's a little bit of both, but definitely either here within the United States or even internationally too. Um, it's, it's definitely a global industry and I don't think states or borderlines are any sort of barrier to be able to connect with people. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I kind of want to back up to something you mentioned in passing about actually the secret garden. Oh, okay. Because you mentioned that you hoped that you could make Lily a little more Indian. And so your like ethnic identity is, is, is it Indian? Yes. Okay. So like in, in moving that into like voiceover work and even in opera, right? We see a lot of pigeonholing that can happen to people of color. Yes. You know, like accents you're expected like people just assume that you would do or whatnot. And I, I was just curious about your experience with that. Fantastic question. Uh, I think obviously we have seen with several movements, like with the Black Lives Matter movement and more people are openly speaking about, we need more inclusion. We need more diversity and equity, but even beyond that, we need, we just need more people to be able to authentically be heard and authentically cast. In the past, even with voice acting, yes, there were people who were not people of color doing accents for characters that were of color. I think currently that is a practice that is very, very seldomly done because of casting and also because of the community. People speak out and they're like, this is absolutely inappropriate. Right. I think more and more people have actively gone out of their way to seek talent that actively represent the character. There's even a database, the People of the Global Majority voiceover list, the PGM voiceover list. So it's a complete database of voice actors of all different uh, ethnic backgrounds and identities. And it's a full-blown list. So casting people, whether they are with companies or whether they are with bigger collaborations like animation studios or Netflix or something, they can have access to that list. And then maybe they think, okay, I have a uh, Swana Mena character and I need to voice over a female. They can look through the database and be able to find exactly who they're looking for. So there That's are a lot of things in the community that are actively creating resources and ways for people to, to do that. In terms of accents, 
I think the more and more you dive into voiceover, you will realize you can do another accent, but if you can't do it for two hours, don't list it on your resume because you may have a video game session that may last two hours. And if you decided, oh yeah, I can do a Scottish accent, but you can't carry it for longer than five minutes, mm -mm, you know, but probably take yeah. that off the list. Yeah. Um, so if you can authentically do it, great. If you have actively trained in it and it is appropriate for, you know, obviously if you're not trying to do something that's inappropriate, not necessarily politically correct, it's probably not a good idea. But I think if you have had training in it or it is authentically your own, there's nothing stopping you. And I don't think nowadays people are necessarily, well, it has to sound more Caucasian or it can't, I don't want an accented English. People are still able to get work, whether you have a Brazilian accent and you're speaking in English, or you have a German accent and you're speaking in English, that's not gonna hinder you from getting work as well. Right. Uh, people are more interested in a global sound. That's kind of a really hot term that is being tossed around, it's authentic global doesn't sound like they're from this country so they they're really searching for that a lot more now to speak to a wider audience and to speak to the globe mm -hmm. so they want more people from different countries or from different backgrounds or from different representations to to be heard which i think is is really beautiful and honestly it's, it should have happened a long time ago but I'm, I'm glad it's it's certainly gaining more traction now yeah absolutely i mean because we all know in opera in the opera world, how often we hear, well, we can't always have a black Otello because we can't sometimes can't find a, a black singer who can sing it. So it's like, yes, no, you can. Sing. They're there. <laughs> They're, They're everywhere. There. <laughs> I can give you five names right now. <laughs> right. Right. Like it's not, it's, it is, it is not a viable excuse anymore because it, it always has been an excuse. It's never Absolutely. been actually the truth of the situation. Yeah. 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 I was wondering, so you've had to really get into growing your business, you mentioned like starting an LLC and you have this awesome website for Voices by Nadia. And even like, I've seen some of like the TikTok and like Instagram reels and stuff. And I love, I like love them. There was one where you uh, read like so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly legal reads are people reading that fast. They don't speed it up. Surprise. <laughs> So my mind um, was blown when I learned that I was like, what? Yeah. If you can talk fast, it's a good skill to have. You should go into legal VO. It's it's helpful. helpful. I mean, as a kid, everyone was always like, slow down. You talk too fast. I'm like, maybe nope. that's my niche. Yeah, that is that is your niche. There you go. So what made you do the LLC and what other practices like in growing your business have you gotten into that particularly that you really like or that have really helped you? Great question. I found that it was getting to a point where before I decided to start my LLC, I was doing a marketing job. I was a marketing assistant for actually another opera company, but I was doing work remotely. It was getting to the point where I was making so much work from voiceover that the time I was spending in the marketing job was actually taking time away from me being able to audition for jobs or respond to emails or get new clients. Mm -hmm. So I had to have a sit down with myself being like, okay, clearly this is actually getting, instead of helping you, which when I first started that marketing job, it was necessary. It was the start of the pandemic. It was a fantastic way to have extra income. You know, it, it was very much needed, but this was 
you know, getting towards the end of 2021. And I was thinking, well, okay, maybe I need to start thinking about when is the time to let them know that I think I need to step back or, you know, this position is no longer a fit for me because again, I was taking time away from actual work that I was making from voiceover where I was spending less time was being able to have more time to myself you know, have a more flexible schedule rather than working, even though this was technically a part-time job, it felt like a full-time job. So that was certainly an impetus was, you know, the fact that, okay, clearly I'm making more money in this direction and I have more time on my hands. I think that's going to be a little more of a, that's certainly more attractive than having a part-time job and having all this time and, you know, only being available at these certain hours. So I decided to make it an LLC as well because there is still the potential danger, which you should always be aware of, that somebody could sue you. And just to have that little extra bit of protection, not that I'm anticipating anything like that happening, just, just for peace of mind for myself, Great. I like to be able to have that extra level of pr protection of just in case if something untoward were to happen, they wouldn't be able to have any of my personal assets. They would just take, you know, they would sue against Voices by Nadia LLC, which, you know, they can't take anything necessarily from me. And then if I ever needed to in the past, I can open up a new business. So that was another reason as well was just for peace of mind and protection. In terms of other business practices, I think it just gives another layer of professionalism. Not that I think my clients expected me to not be professional because I wasn't an LLC, but it just sort of gives that extra level of like, oh, wow, she's, she's actually legitimately serious about this. It's all branded in my invoices. It's all branded in my emails. It's all over my website and all over my social media. It just gives that extra little uh, hint layer, of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 just totally. a little bit more polished, a little bit more together that, you know, they can... And sometimes even for them too, it looks better for them to work with a business rather than a freelancer with some companies. It depends on which. Plus, uh, it certainly has helped me get better representation as well. I think with some agents and, and eventually I'd like to get a manager. I don't have one currently, but they like to see that too, that this isn't necessarily just something you do on the side as a side hustle. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Let me preface that. But it just shows that this is actually a career correlating career that I'm taking very, very seriously. Right. Yeah. Right. Because cool. I mean, like going through the process of getting your LLC, which can be made more easy through some services online, like it's still Absolutely. a process, like it's something you have to put time and thought and effort into. And mm -hmm. what is, I have to know what your setup is. I don't want to leave. Okay. Without, I don't want to leave without, <laughs> without finding that out. I know. I sh I'm like, a part of me is like, I'm probably not representing myself in the best way that I'm not in my booth at the current moment, but we're keeping it casual. Yeah. Uh, so in my booth, I currently have, and again, I've, I've accrued this over time. Yeah. So yeah. Let, let that be known. I have two microphones currently. I have a Sennheiser 416, which is a shotgun mic. <laughs> Don't mention that to TSA when you're traveling because they'll freak out. <laughs> um, and I have a Rode NTG5, which is very similar to the Sennheiser, but I found it to be at the time a little bit easier on the bank for me because I'll, I'll get into this a little bit later. So we'll, we'll bookmark that for a second. I'll come back to that, Add a little asterisk. And uh, my interface, I currently have a Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 3rd gen. I might update it. We'll see. It's, it's been working well for me so far. My DAW or digital audio workstation 
is Adobe Audition. But in when I first started, I did Audacity. Mm. It's free, girl, get it, no shame. Yeah, that's what I did. With Adobe Audition, it was a little bit of a learning curve, but mm -hmm. I, at the time, invested in a course that an audio engineer gave, which kind of taught you how to do Adobe Audition. And honestly, that saved my whole career. I, you know, I look back at that being like, that was well worth the investment. Plus working with an audio engineer to really, you know, figure out the best way, how well treated is your room? Do you have to do anything else with it? Learning shortcuts. So that way, and this particular audio engineer calls it being an audio ninja. So I'm just like being really fast with my editing. Yeah. I have a vocal booth to go booth. So it's kind of like moving blankets, but in a tent. So it's a little small, but it's uh, a nice way to kind of have that extra bit of, again, treatment of space. I've taken over the closet. So I do have a whole closet to myself. And then finally, for so many years, I was sitting on the floor. I know. I splurged on a chair. I treated <laughs> myself to a nice ergonomic chair. And at the time, I someone built a desk for me. So I have a little tiny desk so I can put my monitor on it so my laptop cannot be inside. So with extra sound with the fan and everything, if the laptop is cooling. So I have the monitor there. So it's completely quiet. And then, of course, my mic, my interface and yeah, the booth. So, mm -hmm. so the booth Looking goes to... inside the closet. Yes. Interesting. And you like put it up in there like you have to like go in the closet and thankfully um, the vocal booth to go if you look online uh vocal booth to go.com i think is the name uh they it's pretty easy actually it kind of comes separately there's like one bag that is just like the tent poles but they're all put together you don't actually have to assemble it you just kind of rise it above and ta-da and then all the moving blankets they have these huge velcro strips on them oh, nice. so you just sort of velcro them together and it's it's pretty pretty easy yeah, Eventually, I'd like to get a really nice booth, but I'll wait until I'm thinking of moving maybe next year. So at, at that time, we can look at that booth, yeah, which yeah. will be a step up. But at this current moment, I, I absolutely love it because, again, I, I can be in the closet because it's a lot quieter. It's not underneath any AC vent or anything or any dogs barking or any, you know, HVAC units that are out in the main room. So it just it just gives a little bit of an extra quiet sense with the four walls. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And are you are you traveling for any reason, like with singing or I guess otherwise? Like, do you take your voiceover on the road where you go? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I do have a little mini travel rig. I typically like to take my Sennheiser 416 mic because it tends to be very, very useful. So with a shotgun mic, for those that may not be familiar with a shotgun mic, it's very, very long and cylindrical. So it's perfect because if I point it in a certain direction, it'll only capture just my voice or just, you know, what's coming out of my, my mouth rather than sort of outside of the room. So I like to take that just because it's a little bit more forgiving, let's say, mm -hmm. compared to maybe a different mic. So I take that with me and then <laughs> Vocal Booth To Go should sponsor this episode. Mm -hmm. They have a little <laughs> Vocal Booth To Go travel rig nice. that kind of, it looks like honestly a huge briefcase and it's very very nifty whoever came up with it it's like a little cubby sort of a one-faced cubby where you can you know it's like a the moving blankets and it kind of comes over with a little hood you just stick your little head inside the hood and you have your little laptop and stuff and you can just do your recording yeah. in there so i i use that but That's some right. people have built 
pillow forts and hotels. Like you get a little, you get a little crafty, you you figure it out. Yeah. Um, But I think the right mic makes a huge difference. If you don't have a forgiving mic, but if you you do have have one. Yeah. 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 We have the same mic and like, I have learned I have to like wait till the buses are done. Like I yeah. can't record in the middle of the day because the bus is two blocks away. I can hear them. Yeah, I I don't have a travel rig, but I I do the voiceover on the road and I I do the blankets and the and the yep. everything. And I mean it's fine. I also like I wouldn't like record audiobooks in there, but when I'm doing certain yeah, if it's quicker stuff like a commercial or yeah. something, you know, you can get away with it. But I think with audiobooks, like no yeah, there's yeah. no room for error no I can't yeah. do that the sound <laughs> has to be so consistent through the whole thing there's yeah. a fantastic podcast episode actually where this one guy he lives like 50 percent of his life on the road and he has fantastic travel rig recommendations including some mics that you wouldn't think would be the best ones I will find that for you and send that to you and maybe you can put awesome. it in the show notes, cool. show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a fantastic episode to listen to Stage Time is the professional hub for the performing arts and is a growing community of 4,000-plus opera singers and classical musicians, arts administrators, agents, production staff, and beyond. Set up a launch-ready portfolio in under 10 minutes. A growing list of over 100 arts organizations accepts a Stage Time profile in lieu of a website URL. Unlike a static website, Stage Time allows you to connect with collaborators, showcase your skills, source or be sourced as the right talent and center your creative practice. Stage Time is available on any web browser or on the App Store and on Google Play. Search Stage Time to stay connected to colleagues, mentors, students and friends from anywhere in the world. The arts industry is waiting for you on Stage Time. So I definitely want to talk and transition to like talking a little bit about singing and Mm -hmm. like you mentioned how you are now able to take like jobs and sing like for joy. And I just wonder what's that journey been like for you? Was there a time sort of that indicates to me that there was a time when there that wasn't present for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there was. I think when I graduated from undergrad, I took a year in between undergraduate and graduate school because I didn't get into grad school. So I took a year to kind of, okay, let's, let's take our time. Let's work a little bit in the industry. Let's figure out how to get into grad school. So that was helpful. Then grad school happened. And at the time there were a lot of different things like different teachers for certain years and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately it was coming down to the time where I hated practicing and I hated hearing the sound of my own voice when I would like vocally warm up or Mm. practice, or I thought this isn't as comfortable as it should be. Why do I sound like this? And, and being very negative. And honestly, I wouldn't want to talk to a friend like that, but that's how I was talking to myself. And I reached out to a friend who I really admired her voice and when she would speak of this teacher that she would also have check-in lessons with, I wondered, you know, would she be interested in having, you know, an online student maybe for a little bit or a private student? So I reached out to her in right actually at the start of the pandemic and we had a voice lesson together and it was just 
immediate click automatically felt amazing and she helped me rediscover how to enjoy singing how to just love the art of creating music again because i noticed sometimes i was just going to musical theater i was going to like enya or whatever gave me joy instead of just practicing opera rep because i really needed that space i was burnt out i was upset i was you know it was all negative so obviously uh my current teacher, she really, really helped me rediscover that, that Kindle of, of yes, I, I, I love doing this just because of doing it. And since working with her, it has been more of, I can take my time. And again, because voiceover two was supporting me in that sense, I could take my time even with auditions. I didn't have to apply to everywhere. I've discovered for myself that, okay, maybe the yap plan or the yap track is necessarily what I would like to do and that's okay. I'm able to make my living doing voiceover work and be more at home, but then if I have say a gig where I have to go for an oratorio gig or concert gig or a very quick opera rehearsal schedule, I can still bring my voiceover gear with me. It's not as if I'm stuck and eh, okay, I won't be making money for this week until I get that paycheck. Right. So having that em empowered feeling of well, I can just do this because I want to, you know, oh, I really love this program and maybe they pay exactly what I need. Great. Maybe this is a benefit concert, but you know what? I love this music. Let's do it. And I think having that underlying feeling, that underlying intention has made it even more manifestation possible. Like these two, you know, Secret Garden and Sound of Music, for example. I think that manifested because of this continuous feeling of like, this is just me making art with people I love to make art with. This is just me making art for an organization I'm passionate about or with this company they've always wanted to work with rather than, you know, oh my gosh, well, okay, uh, I'm a little bit sick and I, ooh, maybe I'm not able to do this, you know, concert and uh, I won't be able to make rent. You know, I, I don't have to have that fear anymore. I don't have to have that pressure that I was putting on myself for so long. But now it's just, Oh, this is Strauss. I love singing Strauss leader. Let's just have fun, you know? And so I think it was certainly something I had been missing for, for a few years that it feels so much more creative and free. And I think what everyone hears, you know, Joyce Donato talk about, and you're like, oh God, I can listen to her talk about it all day. But like, you know, that, that's what we ultimately are doing art for. And I think sometimes, especially in academia, we get bogged down by so many deadlines or so many things to do that we we kind of lose that a little bit. And that's a shame because ultimately that's what we're there for. We're there because we love it. We're there because we're passionate about it. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So so I'm gonna ask you again. So you mentioned like that your teacher has really helped you. Mm -hmm. So, but you, you know, the teach, I'm sure that your teacher will, would say, this and as a teacher i'm going to say that it's you that makes those decisions and those right. changes in your life so i'm just curious as to any specific like maybe there is a breaking point or a practice and for me i mean i could go on and on i mean same for me in the pandemic of just like rediscovering joy and being like fuck this i'm not doing this for yeah. like and hate it. Like I need to love it or I need to leave it. So yep. tell me more. <laughs> yeah. I I think it was a little bit of 
like you said, I, I think she was certainly a guiding hand to remind me of, I've had this all along, I just needed someone to remind me of that. So yes, you're absolutely correct. When she was giving me Mozart, Handel, you know, things that I'd always been wanting to do, but everyone, everyone and their mother's doing bohème. And so it's like, oh, well, okay, oh. I guess I got to sing Musetta, you know, or whatever, like thinking that I had to conform with whatever quote unquote society was always putting on. Singing oh, I for really the wanna... audition. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and maybe, oh, I just want to do this new piece of work or this art song because gosh, it's so dang pretty, you know? And so kind of going back to basics, going back to te purely technique, then when she would give me something that would be quote unquote more audition appropriate, I was like, oh, well now I'm approaching this because it's so dang fun. You know, I never in a million years would I thought, oh, I could sing Glitter and Be Gay. She gave it to me and she's like, you need to sing this right now. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. And she's like, well, why don't you give it a try and see how it goes? And it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, because we all think, well, Glitter and Be Gay has to sound a certain way and blah, blah, blah. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like Your you. kind of one does different than someone else's. It doesn't matter. Mm. Okay. That's great. Cool. I love that. Don't sing for the audition, which is a good reminder for me as I start to need a recording and I've been working on all these other yeah. new things. And then you start going to the coaches and yep. And Everyone then has opinions. you get in the trap again and you're like, ah! <laughs> like I, I, I had a competition, actually the, the Mario Lanza competition on Monday. And I remember going in there and just being like, I don't care what happens. I just want to have a good time. Yeah. I just want to sing this music because it's so pretty. And you know, whether they pick this one aria that like, maybe I'm a little shaky on, like I, I'm just maybe that one measure, but I was like, you know what, even if that happens, I don't care because I don't have, <laughs> there's no more fucks to give. I, I don't have any left, you know, and just. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Right. Be there in the moment. So much more present. Well, and even then, like when you're, when you're in that space where you're second guessing and are they going to like this? Is this the thing that they're doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like you start being less generous with your sound. Yep. You yeah. know, and like, I think everyone wants to hear a singer who's being very generous with their sound and then as a consequence with themselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> and getting caught in the perfectionism of it all shuts that down. And then it's not a thrilling performance. It just goes, to, okay, you can sing this pretty, but it's not interesting anymore. Yeah. Well, and I, I think also too, all of this time with voiceover and seeing the success in voiceover has actually kind of helped me in terms of opera of in the voiceover world, I may not be the most like, if, if so if we say, for example, like Sopranos, we're a dime a dozen, there's so many of us. Mm -hmm. In the voiceover world, people might be like, oh, well, she's not like what normal people, normal people can hear or what we normally hear on the radio. Maybe I am. It just depends on what tone I do, what the script is, what the feeling is, you know, whatever it is of, you know, commercial or what genre, whether it is explainer or uh, narration or anything. If I just show up and just read the script truly as to what I think it is, yes, there is rejection, but someone might be like, oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear, but they don't know how to necessarily put that into the words and the specifications of, well, we need someone who sounds like this, 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 this. Sometimes they have no idea what they're looking for. But when you happen to show up on that random Tuesday and you record that audition, they're like, oh my God, that, that's the voice. That's who we need. 
Right. Right. Then I'm letting that inform the idea of, of whether it's singing for auditions or singing for competitions, being like, I could be exactly what they're looking for. Right. For example, for sound and music, hilarious. I didn't realize uh, whether I was being called back or not because I never received an email. And Monday at 6 p.m. was supposed to be the callback. I kept checking my spam. I'm like, where's this email? I swear they wanted me to call back for, for Baroness Elsa. I finally just went ahead and messaged the music director being like, hi, you know, I don't want to waste anyone's time. I want to be respectful, but am I being called back this evening? She's like, yeah, actually, we'd love to see you tonight at 6 p.m. It was five o'clock. So I had an hour to prep. <laughs> I was like, all right, sight reading gods come for me. I'm just gonna have fun. The director called me and he's like, you know, sometimes we never really know officially what we want until we see it. Thank God you messaged her because you're the, yet the, you're who I want for the role. That wouldn't have happened if I didn't try. So same yeah. thing with auditions and competitions. I mean, yes, of course, sometimes with some of these exorbitant fees, that doesn't necessarily seem feasible. But of course, you know, if there's a fee that isn't, you know, these like 150 euro ugh, trash ones that show up on Yap Tracker. Yeah. It's not, you're not gonna necessarily be hurting your chances if you don't try. You never know if you're exactly what they need to hear. Yeah, right. 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 And going into the audition, be, not trying to sound like the other, what they want the no. condo to sound like, you know. They right. don't want to hear everybody else. Right. You're, you, it's not a factory. You're right. your own piece of pottery. Totally. If everything looked the same, it would be so boring. And you're not. You're so unique in your own your way. So show show that. Yeah. Right. Totally. Right. Well, I mean, it just be it's just you know the the too long don't didn't read you know it's just the the truism of just show up with your voice, sing with your voice. No one wants you to come in and try to sound like somebody else. No. You yeah. know, and like the thing is, is like even if they know the kind of sound they want. They might hear you and change their mind. And also you can't read their mind. So you don't know what they want. So to try to modify, to fit an expectation that you, like, it's just not, it's not worth, it, it makes it not worth anyone's time. Absolutely. And I mean, even to preface that, to not sound like anybody else, everyone thinks with voiceover, oh, I can do all these impersonations of this character and blah, blah, blah. That's not what voiceover is. Barely anybody does impressions. Right. If they do, they know three people to call. That's it. Right, right. Otherwise, the whole rest of the time in voiceover, it has to be you yeah. speaking the text. It has to be you telling the story. Mm -hmm. It's not you trying to sound like Charlize Theron. It, no, you have to be you in that moment. Yeah. If they say, we like the way that Charlize Theron says this one like commercial, so maybe get a little bit of her vibe. Okay, maybe that'll tell you, all right, she kind of does a little slow. Maybe she has a slightly deeper tone, but that's still you in your voice doesn't mean that you're trying to imitate her yeah another thing i really want to know is you talked about finding the projects and the singing gigs that you and the people that you want to work with and besides you know music you like because we can we can you know we can know understand like listen to music to listen to different music but even i'm even struggling this right with this right now and and i have i get a little bit in my head about the whole thing like how do you look for jobs and people and projects that you want? Like whether it be on Yap Tracker, if you're looking for a certain detail, are you going a little bit off the beat, off the normal track of Yaps? Like mm -hmm. how are you finding cool people? 
<laughs> so I, I'll be honest in terms of music, I wish I was a little more creative in terms of finding other things. I think in that sense, voiceover is sort of teaching me the way I find voiceover work is sort of teaching how I want to find music work. So, you know, other people talk about, you know, reach out to whether it's local organizations or like within a different city that's not too far away and reaching out to maybe if there's like a early music society being like, hi, you know, here are my recordings of, you know, here's me singing a handle aria, or here's me singing some Haydn and I'd love to work with you, blah, blah, blah. I think social media is definitely a very, very important tool in our toolbox and we are very familiar with it. So I think even just posting a reel, even just posting a TikTok, you have no idea who's watching that might be like, oh, I might want to have her on my you know, concert or whatever. So you never know how powerful or how far that can travel, right? So I'd say in terms of singing opportunities, using social media, cold emailing. And I know sometimes that can be very, very jarring. I hated cold emailing at the start. I'm like, oh, just I would get like, you know, nightmares just thinking about it. But I had to learn how to do that for voiceover. And honestly, now I transfer it over to when I'm looking for opera or musical theater or concert work. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be a long email because ultimately, what are you trying to do? You are trying to solve their problem and offer a service. So you're trying to say, hello, you know, hey, I looked at your website. Oh my gosh, fantastic work. Congratulations on your recent concert. I hope it went really well. You know, are you looking for a soprano for your concert season? You know, here's a link to my website. You can listen to some of my stuff. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Done. Simple. Takes you five minutes. But us being perfectionists, we're like, okay, but I really want to make sure I don't offend anyone. I want to make sure the signature is correct. And no, 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 just send it. I know. Just send people it. are all crazy about, well, now anytime I hear any younger singers like say, should I email them? Um, yes, you should fucking yes. email them. Do not be afraid of sending an email. And if they yeah. are mad about it, they can go fuck themselves. Like, I mean, like, obviously, <laughs> yes, keep it to respectable work hours, you know, don't yeah. send it at like, you know, 1230 at night. And don't but at send the same a million. Time, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said, it's not that big of a deal. They, right. You might be exactly who they're looking for. Or if not this year, then maybe next season. Right. I mean, you and know. you never know how those leads are going to pan out. Like sometimes like they get your email and they're like, oh, that person, they, you never hear from them. But like three years later, like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Check that person. I mean, I, I will even say like, I'm a chronic overthinker. Yay, anxiety. <laughs> you know, but even like it's tied into perfectionism. I sang with an organization back in like 2013 and did a uh, did a concert with them. And there was a tricky spot in one of the pieces we did that, that I was a soloist on and I messed it up in performance. I like blipped one note and like got right back on track. No problems, whatever. But I was so ashamed that I had made this mistake in performance that I like kind of intentionally fell off their radar. I'm like friends with, have been friends with the conductor on Facebook the whole time, but like had never reached out again about like, Hey, I'm still around. Do you want to hear me again for other solo opportunities? Da, 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 da. I was like so embarrassed that I had met. I was like, they surely never want to have me sing with them again. Well, this year I was like, ah, fuck it. They posted that they were looking for section leaders. And I was like, you know, oh my gosh, it would be so nice to work with you guys again. I love my time there. You know, if you're, let me know if you're auditioning for soloists, I'd be happy to come and sing, sing an audition for you again. And the conductor emailed me back like right away and was like, oh my God, I still think about how beautiful that concert was. You sang for us, blah, blah, blah. Please come. 
an audition for me this week. I would love to like hear how you are and hear how your voice is. And and I booked a gig. Yeah. And for six years, I had like <laughs> intentionally avoided yeah. reaching out to them because I was like so stuck on this one note out of 500 that I had sung in this concert. And it, it's just like it just goes to show like the things that we sometimes fixate on as singers are not the things that anyone notices. Right. Absolutely. 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 I mean, ultimately, they probably remembered all of the beautiful, you know, sweeping lines that you did, the characterization you brought to it, the way you brought the music to life. Exactly. They were probably like, oh my gosh, I, I want to work with her immediately again. Like it doesn't, mm -hmm. just because we are worried that it's not going to be perfect doesn't mean that everyone else is putting that much pressure on us. Right. And if well, they are, then you don't need to work with them again. Right. Right. Well, and then as we're what, three sopranos in a room, <laughs> we've all, we, how many times have we all heard about how many sopranos there are? And if you make one mistake, you know, you're going to get fired and there's 5,000 sopranos behind you who can do it as good or better. And I think like I let that get to my head, Yeah. you know, and it's just like, no, like just don't overthink it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, again, like you said, you never know when they're going to contact you. I, one of my agents I have right now for voiceover, I've been wanting to be on their roster for a while. And I emailed them in 2020, February of this year. They go back to me. They're like, oh, this client has this audition for this job. And they like they requested you specifically. So would you mind auditioning? I'm like, oh, sure. Then they just put me to freelance on their roster. I asked to join and we've been booking consistently since yeah, two amazing. years right? Yeah. waiting. I, I, I have to think that I, it sounds like you've gotten more confident and more, I don't know, efficient too at your schedule and your like, I guess, really professionalism too in voiceover. And I mean, it's really a practice that we should all be doing no matter what. And we all strive for, I would think, you know, but sometimes anxiety or fear or, you know, imposter syndrome holds us back from like being, I think like the best and professional and putting yourself out there and stuff like that. So like, what is there any like practices with voiceover like schedule wise or something like I'm going to send out emails to agents on this day like I'm always like curious about people's schedules like and what they do to like hold themselves accountable right right <laughs> extremely extremely and no I, I I do agree with your statement that I think voiceover has helped me feel more confident feel more professional feel more efficient definitely I think sometimes my schedule sometimes I think to myself is this really my life like it wait a second like this this is this is a legit day of of business for me yeah. you know that it, it's certainly not necessarily something that people are familiar with right off the bat you know general public but it, it is a lucrative way to make it to make uh, a business but Sometimes it can be, again, certainly like opera, it's another freelance business. There are ebbs and flows. There are slow months mm -hmm. where sometimes I'm like, wow, I made jack shit, you know? <laughs> and then some months where I'm like, damn, you know, it just depends <laughs> on, on what happens that month. Right, right, um, yeah. Because totally. ultimately, you know, whether it is they're prepping for holidays and so they're doing a lot of holiday ads and then you happen to book this huge job with this one client and you're like, oh my gosh. But ultimately, it comes down to, I think, a few things. Consistency. So especially in, in 
voiceover work and I'm, I'm working to see if I can get there eventually with music, but you know, again, letting something inform the other. But with voiceover work, I think of consistency, repeat clients, who are clients that I work with on a regular basis, whether it is once a year, once a month, they book me every week or every two weeks, who are the people that I work with on a regular basis? I need to make sure that the, those relationships are nurtured and are cared for, and that they know that they are top of mind and that I am on top of their minds. So making sure like efficiency, professionalism, I deliver their audio on time. I always make sure that, you know, we are collaborative and on good terms and, you know, emails are a great way to make sure that it happens. If I am showing them exactly the way that I work every single time for every single job, that's what they expect. And then they know that that quality is going to be there every single time. So making sure consistency with that. Consistency with finding new work. So consistency of whether it is auditioning on casting sites, auditioning uh, for agents, auditioning being on rosters for different uh, production houses or different things like that, making sure that they consistently are aware that they're seeing my auditions come in and it's good quality and they know what to expect. In terms of accountability, having an accountability buddy, as some people call it, is, is very, very helpful. Yeah. And I do have a special accountability buddy friend. Uh, we finally met for the first time in New York like three weeks ago and it was like, <gasps> Stars met, we're like, ah, like we were the same person and it's fabulous. But on top of that, I actually made an investment end of last year for this entire year of 2022 to be an accountability group. And it just happens to be a group of women. There's one, there's one guy leading it, but the rest, most of us in the accountability group are women and we're at all different levels. Some people are at the absolute like early stages of their career. Some people are in the middle stages. Some people are in the later stages. The guy who's running the group is kind of a mentor for all of us. But every month we check in with ourselves and we have a little list of like, this is what I accomplished this last month. And then we set up our goals for the next month and showing up first Wednesday of every month is like, well, crap, I didn't get that. Well, I better get that done before the meeting. But I think again, the power of a group like that, and especially I think women, you know, as we know, it's even more powerful when you have that support system because we even meet outside of those meetings too. We meet just to meet, just to check in, just to talk about things that are frustrating us. We have a Facebook group. We talk about our successes. We talk about our losses. We ask questions about, you know, when we're overthinking, oh, well, I don't know what to write to that person. And then the person just says, just send it already. And you're like, yeah, you're absolutely right, Suzanne. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. I need yeah. to send it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you can find a group or at least a buddy, yeah, I, it, it really does. When you put that time and you have that like-minded person, it lifts you up. You know, yeah. we are a reflection of the five people we spend the most time with, right? If you surround yourself with those kind of like-minded people, it, it really elevates your, your ability to perform. In terms of a schedule, I, it, it ebbs and flows. Sometimes I'm like up and at them, you know, like 6.30. I'm like, all right, here we go. And it's like a super busy day. And then some days I'm like, all right, well, I sent all my emails and I did all my auditions and like, yeah, I guess well. I can go to the gym and cook lunch and do what I want for the rest of the day. So yeah. it, it depends. It got to be flexible, yeah. but yeah. I've asked every single person that 
about the schedule yeah. and they they I mean I've never met anybody that's like oh do it like that like I've I it's never yeah. I think there's a magic bullet and right now for me the magic bullet is notion but we'll see how long that mm. lasts <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I just know like I hear you about like the accountability like Elise and I have been being accountability buddies for the last few months and that's been great because like I am a person who thrives when I have a deadline if I don't have a deadline for stuff like I just don't get things done I am very good at delaying getting tasks done like which is like I'm learning through neuroscience is like actually a more advanced form of procrastination like it's like like you do other tasks to avoid the task you know, and like, it's sometimes a, a symptom of, you know, being a little neuro spicy, you know? And so like, okay, so I need that. I need that deadline for that accountability. And totally. maybe we can start an accountability circle, Louise. I, I know. I was already <laughs> thinking it. I was already thinking it. Yeah, totally. And I've learned in the past, I don't know how long, but like recent years that I hate doing stuff by myself. I fucking yep, hate yeah. it. And I'm not going to, unless I really have to, I'm really going to try to just have people help me do it and do it with me because yeah. I just yeah. like hate it. And so many singers, I think we are the people, the musicians in the room that don't like to be alone and like, don't right. like to do stuff by ourselves. And right. you know, it's like, that's okay. Like I have people help me now with, you know, I have people help me with my website, help me, help me figure this out. I can't figure it out. I will not do it by myself. I need you to help me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately a lot of freelance work is, is by yourself. You kind of have to have that balance of like, well, I'm by myself, but then how can I have that extra little level of feeling like, well, someone is there with me. I mean, some people even do like a Google meet where everyone's on mute and they kind of work together, but they have that screen so they can see someone else. Yeah. I do that sometimes with, there's this one YouTube channel I really love. She does kind of like Pomodoro timers where yeah. she has like 55 minutes. She calls it like studying. So she's literally studying on the screen. You see her and then it's just like little to no background noise. And then there's like a little timer for 10 minutes where you take a break. I honestly put those on when I do my marketing emails. Cause I know me, I'll just be like, oh, oh let me look at uh, Instagram two hours yeah. later. You know, yeah. it's, it's bad. It can be, I just found, I just found the app sprout maybe where, oh, it, yeah, yeah. where it does like Pomodoro and it grows a little tree. Oh, <laughs> and if you cute. leave the app before your time is up, it kills the tree. <laughs> that's funny as a vegetarian i love this, I this um, and life. like you can and like if you do and like there's paid levels to it too and like but no no matter whether i'm using it for free like after so many hours of getting work done it actually will actually plant a real tree <gasps> i love and depending, that and depending on your paid subscription it will be like 48 hours of work or 24 hours of work or eight hours of work or four hours of work plants a new tree a real tree it's really oh my cool gosh. I yeah, love that it. is perfect. We'll obviously just... be linking that. Obviously, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Like... But yeah, it also makes me want to like, I redid my office in the pandemic and now, but like I'm in this place now where I'm like, I feel like I want to invest in like working in a co-working space or something because I feel a lot so of people love to that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I used to have a friend and he moved to the other side of the country. Carl, I miss you. And we had a dedicated day. We always went to the co- like we went to the coffee shop on Wednesdays, and Wednesdays was our like our co working day, and we would sit in the coffee mm. shop and chit chat and work together. And I would always get so much done those days. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I'm doing third Thursday. It's co-working starting next month. Coming. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Wow. I have really enjoyed talking with you and learning all these different things. And I love just talking with people that are freelancers and finding out all their secrets, which turn out to be not that much of the secret. <laughs> well, but sometimes, you know, things that may seem in the moment of like, duh, why didn't I think of that? Right. You know, you just need a little reminder sometimes. I mean, there's, there was one book we read as a mastermind group too, a fantastic book, Atomic Habits. I love that book. Oh, most of the stuff in there, you're like, that's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? But yeah. at the same time, you may need that reminder because you've been thinking about so many other things or that's right. kind of fell to the back burner or you think, well, obviously that's in the back of my mind, but it's so back there behind something else and all the arias you have to remember and everything right. that it's just, you know, nice to have that reminder. So. Or like in my case, like reading Atomic Habits, like the things that he describes to like create a successful habit, I had like accidentally hit upon, but I had never done the work to figure out like, oh, well, when I've successfully created a habit, what did I do? Where like, mm -hmm. he just lays out for you, like, this is the way to be successful. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happened that time I did. And the time that my habit wasn't successful, I didn't follow that. Yeah. <laughs> so highly recommend. We'll link that book in the show yes. notes, too. Yes. Everyone should buy it. Everyone should, should get that book. I yep. have to put it on my list. Well, thank you. It was so great to talk to you. And oh, I, I, I'm starting to ask this question now. What do you love about classical music? and opera, what keeps you coming back to it? And maybe it doesn't have to be opera, but what keeps you coming back to music and singing? I, when I saw that question, I was like, oh, I love that question, but it's just, it is deep. <laughs> I think uh, what makes me love opera and classical music is the connection. I think ultimately it comes down to the connection, the connection that we feel with our colleagues on stage, the connection that we feel with the composer, with the librettist, with the time period in which the piece was written or the setting or the poet or, you know, whoever it is, it almost like transcends time because we're in that moment, like right where they were when they created it. So we're connected there, connection to our body and to our mind and spiritual selves of just being in that moment, connecting with the audience. It's just, I feel like it's all about connection that something magical happens when you have that moment on stage when you're just with you know this cast you've been working with for so long or you're in a recital and you've collaborated with all these people and it's just making art for art's sake and there's just there's something so indescribable about that moment that we crave it and ultimately that's why we do it and i think connection is is at the heart of that all and I mean, there was even a time early, early, early when I was thinking of not doing opera, I was like, I'm so sick of it and uh, didn't necessarily want to do it anymore. And it, there was a moment of connection that happened with someone I, I used to box. So someone in the boxing gym where I boxed, there was a guy, Fast Eddie. He, I probably would never have hung out with him in the past, you know, was incarcerated for 15 years for manslaughter, you know, was, was clean now and was like obviously great guy, but you know, a little bit scary. And uh, Fast Eddie was certainly someone that, that really made me realize how important music is because he didn't believe me when I told him, you know, oh yeah, I want to sing opera. I really love it. It's like, no, I don't think so. 
and I tried to show him a recording. He's like, how do I know you didn't put a fake voice over it? Like, I don't believe you. I'm like, okay, Fassie, I guess I'd have to sing for you. So I sang for him and this man, you know, just starts like weeping and he leaves the, the boxing gym and he's sitting on the floor and he's contemplating life. And I just sort of sit next to him being like, you know, what, what's wrong? What's going on? You know, and he's like, he had never heard opera before. And I mean, granted at the time, I, you know, don't sound the way I do now. So part of me is like, wish you could hear me now. But in the moment, he just like, it's like, I don't have any hatred in my heart anymore. I just feel whole. And you never know what you're singing, even though you're worried about that one note or that one little mistake. There's someone in that audience or there's someone else on stage with you who needed to hear that, who needed to feel that moment of, I'm at peace. I feel whole. And you never know who that person is. Could be a fast Eddie, could be someone else. Mm-hmm. That's, awesome. That's a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nadia. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is my favorite podcast. So I was so happy <gasps> to be a guest on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, made my day. Honored to have you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the My So-Called Opera Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us keep making more, because this content creation shit ain't free, y'all, you can show us some love by rating and reviewing the podcast. This helps get the word out to more badass artists. Share with a friend. Word of mouth is the best advertising and a free way to support us. Double win for empowering your colleagues and being a responsible follower. Buy us a coffee. Fuel our coffee obsession and our Instagram live coffee chats with a one-time donation of any amount. Or bust that starving artist myth by becoming a sustaining Patreon member. This option is so impactful to the ongoing creation of our podcast that we offer you early access to ad-free episodes and more. You can become a member for as little as $3 a month. Still can't get enough of us and want to add your voice to the conversation? Join us over on Instagram at MSCOL Podcast. This podcast is edited by Joshua Wise and produced and hosted by Elise Mark and Marcel McGurk. We are thrilled to have the Sparkle Twins as continuing sponsors for season four. Sharice and Sharicia Williams are identical twin sopranos from Brooklyn, New York, who began their business by creating customized Swarovski crystal-covered shoes for their fellow divas. Their business expanded pre-COVID to include mouth masks for musicians. In addition to protecting yourself from unwanted germs and conversations, the masks have cute phrases on them like, keeping my germs to myself, or I am on vocal rest. To check out their full line of products, visit www.sopranotwins.com forward slash shop and follow them on socials at the Sparkle Twins.